All right, everybody, welcome back to That's So Fringy podcast. I'm Rick. Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And we are here with our new friend, Drew. Uh, he's from a little bit farther away uh, than what we're used to talking to. He is from Australia, and uh, he reached out to us to, to do a, a podcast together, and we're just so happy to have him on. Uh, Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing on your podcast, You're Missing the Point, and uh, just you know, tell the people about you a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um- yeah, this is great just being able to collaborate with people all around the world and, and get our voices out there a bit more. I run a podcast called You're Missing the Point, play on my last name, Missing. Uh, it was my way of kind of uh, giving myself the opportunity to speak out when I thought there wasn't really a great opportunity in Australia to do so. Um, mm. We went through the, the whole lot of COVID measures, which I'm sure most Americans are kind of aware of. And the, after the, the lockdowns, air quotes, kind of ended, people went back to life as normal and kind of just refused to ignore the elephant in the room. So for <laughs> me, the podcast has been more of a an ability to speak to people around the world, speak to Australians who are willing to talk about it. It's been almost like a a self-treatment for myself and my mental health just to be able to talk about these things that you can't traditionally talk about around the water cooler at work without being looked at like you've got two heads. Yeah, yeah. Every time you step out of the matrix, you you become this weird uh, organism running around and nobody really wants to have anything to do with you because you might just bring up something crazy. Uh, we get that for sure over here. I've been dealing with that for a long time. So when you started the podcast, was your was your mission just to have conversations or was it to try to wake people up to uh, the draconian lockdowns and those type of things? Uh, more so just to have conversations. It was, you know, COVID, we were locked down for nearly two and a half, three years at, at one point. And Victoria, yeah. where I am, we we're the most locked down place in the world. So during that time, I've always kind of been that conspiracy-minded person who like loved to read about UFOs and Bigfoot and Nessie, all the the basic type of tropes of conspiracy theory. So I was always looking at YouTube videos, and I really started to get stuck into podcasts at that time. And mm. I started to um, listen to the likes of Deborah gets red pilled, um, you know, Union of the Unwanted, um, Our mm. Big Dumb Mouth, those types of podcasts, sure. and. It kind of evolved into the idea of, you know, these people just seem like the average person having a conversation. Why can't I do that? So for me, it was just contacting people that I I like listening to, that I would love an opportunity Mm. to talk to, and starting those conversations more than anything else. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I've really enjoyed some of those conversations that you've had. Um, you know, I've been listening to the podcast and, and you're doing a really good job. We commend you for, uh, for being brave. You know, that's people have a hard time these days being brave. We, uh, we fall into this fear mongering, uh, propaganda machine and we get, we get so caught up in all the fear that, uh, we just do whatever they tell us to do. Right. And so, you know, congratulations for being one that is, is, willing to be brave in this time of people just living in fear. Yes, it's the idea. I think a lot of podcasters probably initially go through those first few stages. They put a couple of episodes out and that niggling feeling about what's the social repercussions going to be? What will people in my Mm. town think about me if they find out about this? And I had that feeling for a little while, but then, you know, you get people contact you who listen to you that generally get something out of listening to the show and it helps them in some small way or, 
it helps reinforce the things that they've been thinking about that they think that they didn't know other people were talking about. So if we can't have conversations with people in our own communities, we need to broaden that horizon and, and find communities through the digital age. Like we've got one of the greatest forms of technology for communication ever, and we need to take advantage of that. Yeah. I think a lot of people also, like you have this conspiracy minded people and then you have these like Christian people and they don't think that they can meld together very well. And I'm over here like, wait, why can't I be both? Why can't I like Bigfoot and also like Jesus? You know, it's like this. <laughs> yeah. Why Why do those have to be so separated? I don't know, but but they are. Yeah, yeah. it's the same thing with politics. That yeah, the someone who talks about politics, someone like you said, talks about faith, or someone who talks about conspiracy. But you know, it's an all interconnected web. Which somewhere along the lines, there's a connection there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's fun to tease it out. You know, some people just get frustrated with, uh, you know, us and how we how we just are boldly saying what we're saying. But the reality is, is we're not we're not saying definitively that we know everything. What we're saying is that we've done a lot of research and we've taken a lot of time out of our own lives to look and to find things that are important to us. Things like our children, you know, and, and how they're being treated at school and what and what type of knowledge they're getting. And is it is it enough? You know, are we are we really this low <laughs> in the nation for our schools? And why is that? And what can we do to make it better? You know, these asking questions and getting into people's minds and, and trying to tease out, like, what is it that you believe and why do you believe that? And, and what is it that keeps us from having these conversations? Because it's almost like there's a switch that goes off in somebody's head when you start to talk about something that's outside of the realm of, as you said, normal conversation by the water cooler where you can, you know, you can talk about the weather. That's acceptable. You can talk about what's going on internally in your job, those type of things. But if you start dropping bombs on people, they're just like, what? No, you believe that? I can't even. But there's this mindset that we have to get into that not everybody believes the same things that you believe. And that's why we're excited to have you on because you have a whole different perspective than an American would. And we have a lot of Americans listening to our podcast, but we do have some Canadians, some Australians, some people from all over the place. And we want to get more of a worldly perspective because we know that all of this conspiracy stuff that we talk about doesn't happen just in America, obviously. You know, this is a worldwide thing of control. And we're beginning to pull back those layers and see that it's a lot bigger than we initially thought. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's not just isolated to any one geographical region in the world. It's all interconnected. It's so multifaceted. And I think, I think the last three years has really proved that Australia tends to be the canary in the coal mine, the testing ground for mm. the broader agendas in the world. And going back to what you said about you can't have these types of conversations in polite, normal conversation at all because the system's done a really good job at um. Like the saying, you don't talk about religion or politics at the dinner table. That's just like an unspoken mm -hmm. rule people just grow up with. And, yeah. and if you can't discuss these really important topics that, that, that drive education, that drive politics, that drive religion, all aspects of society, we're not doing ourselves any favor by not talking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we begin to make ourselves 
uh, into all of these boxes where you're allowed to be my friend because you believe what I believe and we become tribal. And when you become tribal, then you become separated from, from the other people that don't believe what you believe. And, and the division is really causing, I'm finding, you know, just talking to people throughout my regular day, the division is really being ramped up. It feels like where you, you almost have to pick a side at this point, which is scary to me. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. Now, I don't know if you were around a similar age yeah. bracket, but can you remember in the yep. 90s, the left was all about not giving people labels? Like the idea of the <laughs> yes. left in itself is a label, but I find it quite funny that we have labels put on people more now than ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was listening to a rapper the other day who was making the connection with he's a he's a black gentleman. And he was making the connection with the the black community and how they're starting to make a lot of um, the the trans um, community coupled with the the black community and the struggles that they've been through and all those things. And those same struggles are now being put onto the trans people as if it's the same thing. Like they're kind of going through the same thing. And you're just like, wait a minute, this is not the same thing. These guys have been through a lot and you guys just kind of came on the scene out of nowhere and decided that this is your movement. You don't get to connect the two, but they're doing that. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it's happening all over the place. Yeah. There always has to be a victim class by the looks of it. And you know, mm. History has 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 dark points, and we know that there was a civil rights movement across most of the Western world. It was predominantly happened in the United States first, and then kind of spread throughout the rest of the Commonwealth, um, countries like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK. So we saw that like legitimate, real grassroots movements for equity, freedom, all that type of stuff. But mm. then it kind of applied that same kind of methodology because I would say the left leaning sphere of politics is built around having a victim. To begin with, it was the victim of the working class. The working class weren't getting their rights met to. So, you know, the union movement sprung up. Then it became racial. And then it became gender-based, so women getting rights. And then it became um, gay rights. And now we're going down what you can only equate to, like, being a slippery slope. Like, people said in Australia when we had our, our vote on whether um, gay couples should be allowed to marry, the argument from the right side of politics was this is leading down a slippery slope for other things. Um, mm -hmm. like gender ideology, all the things that we were told is fringe conspiracy theory or fringe right-wing politics is sure. happening today. Like That victim mentality, they're placing the, the mantle of victim on different subgroups, which is just another yeah. way to divide society. Yeah, and it's gross, and it, and it is a slippery slope. I mean, in my estimation, once you start doing that, then, then anybody can be a victim. You can make anybody, I mean, you can make a... Uh, you know, a recording artist who makes a ton of money, who never has a worry in the world, you can make them a victim. And you're just like, what? How are they a victim? Like, what are they a victim of? They're not, they're not doing anything. They're, they're living their best life, in my opinion. And now, you know, we're supposed to think that they're a victim, that they're, they're, they're being living in hardship because somebody didn't like the clothes that they wore or, you know, they, they had a, an agenda that we didn't like, you know, so now they're a victim. I, I just don't understand how we've gotten to that place where everybody can't just be okay with the fact that people are different. 
and that there's a lot of differences in the world and that, you know, you get on a plane to fly anywhere and that whole thing is full of a bunch of people that think a ton of different ways. And we have to learn how to come together and have conversations with each other about the hard things, not just the easy stuff, the hard stuff, because that's what makes character. That's what that's what shows people what your true character is. Yeah, that's my um, opinion. We saw that in the 90s, particularly with young girls where and young boys, so I might add, that in the 90s, it was a lot about body positivity, like being comfortable in your own skin. Um, we know there was a lot of stuff going around about eating disorders and things like that. So a lot of social work and, and societal and cultural work went into, you know, people come in all different shapes and sizes. You are who you are. Find who you are and be happy in yourself. There might be things you can change. That's okay, like through exercise or getting a haircut or whatever. Small things you could change, but overall, you have to be comfortable in who you are. And in the space of, what, 10 years in the, the start of the noughties, the, the thousands, that we start to saw that gender ideology happen where if you're not happy with your gender, you can fundamentally change who you are by cutting body parts off. And that seems yeah. just whole or opposite to the messaging we got when we were younger about being happy with who you are. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, my my parents always taught me to basically do whatever I wanted to do, but be kind to everyone you know, be kind to everyone. And it was kind of that small town mentality where like, I know if somebody is going to see me do something crazy, my mom's going to find out about it. And that's a bad thing. We do not want mom to find out about the crazy stuff Rick's doing behind the scenes. So you have to realize that there's some sort of accountability that needs to be placed on people to where there, there has to be good and there has to be evil. We have to we have to draw those lines and we have to all come to the point where we can agree on what good and evil is. And I think the majority of the world, and I might just be speaking for myself, but I think the majority of the world thinks that like child molestation and messing with children is just bad, like all, all across the board. But then you find out that there's a lot of people that, that don't think that, that they actually think that they're attracted to, to minors and, and they should be allowed to do that. And I don't understand that because I, I grew up in a different place, but I try, you know, to allow my mind to go to a place of like, how could a person be this way? And how could they be attracted to minors? How could they? And I just, I just can't find it. I just can't find it in my mind where there's a path to that, if that makes sense. It's the corruption of the moral framework. And like some people mm. might be religious and some might not be, but it's pretty evident just by looking at the track record as soon as, particularly in Australia, as soon as they started removing religious education from public schools, we saw a moral framework start to degrade. Like everyone has their own, their own scope of morals. My morals look very different from someone else's. At one point, society had a collective moral framework that everyone kind of adhered to. There was at least a base level, a foundation that was all built upon. Now we're seeing people mm. justify their actions through their own skewed moral framework. So an example mm. like that might be um, just a political one, punch a Nazi. Mm. My moral framework yeah. is assault's assault, and really yep. violence only comes into it if you're protecting yourself. So if you're actively going out of your way to punch someone based on their political beliefs, whether you disagree with them or not, morally I think that's mm -hmm. wrong. You throw into that uh, sure. anyone who disagrees with uh, the transgender ideology that comes through is uh, is a TERF, a trans-exclusionally radical feminist. 
So women who are standing up for women's <laughs> rights are now being hounded by the, yeah. the far left for being bigoted and, and hateful. That is a, a skewing of the moral fabric around protecting women's rights. So we're seeing that moral code degrade over time exponentially, and I don't think it's going anywhere pretty because the, it's sowing greater and greater And you, greater you see this, right, you see this whole thing with the trans agenda, especially with, like, the drag queen things and all of that that you see where i see it as like they're they're making fun of women like they're they're literally dressing up like borderline like clowns and dancing around like doing ridiculous things like how but how do women think like how do they make in their mind how that makes sense like yes go go drag queens and i'm over here like they're making fun of us it's it's woman when they boil it down to his most basic form they're making fun of us yeah, they're, they're putting woman face on. It's like the, the modern day version of blackface. Yes. It's a mockery. Mm-hmm. And so much yep. so that they're, they never exactly. dress as just a, a, a woman wearing a sundress, just going about her day. It's always hypersexualized. And that kind of gets yes. to the crux of what I think it's really about. Sure. I mean, yeah. if you, if you're talking about blackface and all that stuff, it's like, that's an outrage, right? C- cultural appropriation is an outrage, but men can dress up as se- super sexualized women and that should be fine. And not only that, but they should be able to twerk in front of your children and right. you should be okay with it. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't see it. I'm not making the connection. I don't understand why you have to have children at the bars for you to, to dance for, you know, like there's, there's been plenty of news articles and things that people have been outraged about, rightfully so, in my opinion, where these these people have been dancing in front of children. They've been invited in to have a show for children. And I'm just like, if this is something that you want to do on your own time, then do it. I don't, I don't have a problem with what you're doing. The problem I'm having is that you're inviting children in, and now you're telling children that at a very young age, they can make the decision to choose who they want to be, whether they want to be male or female. And, and that's just asinine to me. It doesn't really make any sense because they, they, they're not allowed to drive. They're not allowed to join the army. They're not allowed to do anything. I mean, most of them can't even barely, you know, do math yet at a high level. And you're telling us that they can make a decision for themselves that is going to, to, echo throughout the rest of their lives. You know, there's children that are, uh, I've learned recently, it's called an upper. They're getting an upper uh, surgery done and they're completely scarring themselves for the rest of their lives. And I'm just like, this is not a decision that children should make. And not only that, but here in America, and I'm pretty sure in Australia there too, they're trying to pass legislature where if you don't support that as a parent, they can take your kids from you. Mm-hmm. Like it's child a, abuse if you don't let them do that. I can give you a first-hand example. That essentially exists in my state already. My state seems to be hmm. the testing ground for the rest of Australia. And like I said, Australia becomes a testing ground for the rest of the world. Within my state, mm-hmm. um, the medical system and the educational system has an affirming care model. So if a child presents and says, I think Jimmy says, I want to be Josephine, we have to affirm that. We can't deny that child's how they feel, air quotes. The problem is that within our school system, if a child does that, says they want to be Josephine and not um, Joe, the teacher, if the child says, I don't want my parents to know, the teacher is legally bound to not tell the parent. If we do so, we're breaking the law. So much so that if a 
an agreement between parents can't be reached and the child does want to go through gender affirming care, including medical. What can happen in our state is a teacher who has the greatest relationship, air quotes, with that student can become the caretaker for medical choices. And then the state takes over and actually helps that child transition, including up to hormone replacement and surgeries. So we're literally seeing in our state the rights of parents literally being taken away. Kids getting taken away from families within mm. their medical choices. I can't, man. Oh, it's just, my. I don't know. I We have children, you know. I, I don't know if you have children. I We have a small child, and sometimes he doesn't want to go to bed. And so we make him go to bed because we know that the outcome is that he's going to be exhausted and he's not going to be able to do his schooling the next day. He's not going to be able to do all the activities he's doing tomorrow. That's not even in the realm of possibility of being harsh or mean. This is us parenting and and leading him down a path of of taking care of himself and and making right choices. And and now we're saying that the same children that don't want to go to bed or don't want to do their homework their or don't want to yeah mm-hmm. eat their vegetables. Now they can choose whether they want to be a boy or a girl. It's just like I don't. I just don't think we're thinking it through. And at that same point, I'm thinking this has to be an agenda. It has to be because it's so dumb. Mm -hmm. That's how you know it's an agenda. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. But but people spend so much time and effort trying to justify why it makes sense. And Mm -hmm. they just talk in circles. They're like, well, it's because this and then this and then this and then this. And then we're back to where we started and none of it makes any sense and your head's just like wait a second yeah, what did we the just mental say? gymnastics <laughs> of it just astound me and they go about their reasoning and yes. then all of a sudden you've got kids who identify as cats and there's kitty litters in classrooms sorry the uh, argument's yeah. kind of destroyed yeah. as soon as you've got kids identifying as animals and we're affirming <laughs> that it's too far gone if that was applied to me right. when i was a kid as a kid i loved arnold schwarzenegger movies sylvester stallone I thought I was going to be an action hero. So by their very own argument and metric, I should have been put on steroids at that age and should have been in the gym 12 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a wild world out there. And, and this is why we like to have conversations because it's, this isn't a bad thing to ask questions about what we're actually doing. Because, because as you just said, this is actually happening in your state. And this right. is this yeah. isn't just like something that's on the ballot. Like this is something that's actually happening. How is that being received over there? Mine is a very left wing state. Um, Six point five mm. million people in my state for population. A little over five million of that live within the city of Melbourne, our capital. Um, the regional areas tend to vote conservative, a lot like a, like a lot of American states. It tends to be that mm-hmm. the big cities that vote blue uh, vote um, left-wing and the country areas that vote conservative. So these conversations are only kind of happening on the fringes of cities. In the cities, they are so woke, so with the plan that they're going for it full steam ahead. Um, they're putting the pedal down and they're just going to ride this thing out until people get hurt. The, the, the danger yeah. I see out of all of it is that at the end of the day, all we're doing to the, that, that we're doing, I shouldn't say that, what the system is doing to these kids <laughs> is that it's, it's removing the potential of life through poor decisions early on. If it was just about affirming the gender and saying, okay, 
my kid wants to be called Josephine and that was it and they want to dress in girls' clothes. I can understand that to a degree. But as soon as you start getting into mm-hmm. the realm of hormone replacement surgeries, that child is sterilized for life. That child has been robbed mm-hmm. the potential of being a mother or father. That person has mm-hmm. been robbed the chance of having a fulfilling, meaningful relationship if they change their mind. Could you imagine a girl yeah. who goes through top surgery, um, takes testosterone, then changes their mind later in life? They're always going to look somewhat masculine. They won't have breasts. Mm-hmm. How is that young girl going to have a meaningful relationship with a normal, a normal average man? The, the odds yeah. are stacked against mm-hmm. them at that point. Mm-hmm. And the confusion that goes along with it. Like, I mean, I remember being, I, I've always liked sports. You know, we watch football. We're a very sports family. We played sports. Like, I never wanted to be a boy. I just mm-hmm. liked like, like our, our church has a women's retreat where it's like, okay, you can go and they have shopping and they have, you know, and then they have a men's retreat and they go and they have like fishing and they shoot guns and they eat prime rib. And, Damn and I'm right. like, I want to, I'd rather go to the men's retreat. Like I, I, I would rather do that <laughs> than go do the women's thing, but that doesn't make me a man. That doesn't make me want to be a man. That just means that I like doing these activities as opposed to, you know, like Rick's not going to a spa day with me to get a pedicure that's just never going to happen so mm-hmm. which is fine because i don't want to do that but they 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 change it in your mind when you're young and impressionable and they make you take the the things that you're naturally good at or that you naturally like and they they're they're like preying on it almost like they're just i don't know like predators like no you like you like basketball so you should probably be a boy yeah i think they're conflating yeah. personality types and interests with gender like, a girl can be a tomboy. Yes. They can love working on cars. Right. They can love yeah. riding bikes, all that type of stuff. They're still a girl. Um, a boy can be very mm-hmm. um, attuned to the arts and like doing um, more in- intricate, small detail things and can like fashion. Doesn't mean they're a girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're actually seeing the big division, which they're calling the great divorce within the, the alphabet community. The lesbian, the gay, and the bi people want to distance themselves from this because they, on on their own ideas, they think that children who would normally have identified as being gay or lesbian are being targeted and forced to go into another another gender mm-hmm. based on the way that they um, mm-hmm. present themselves personality-wise. So when you see the left starting to eat itself alive in this regard, mm-hmm. not that I think it's really a left or right issue, mm-hmm. there's something up. There's definitely something mm-hmm. up with this. It's more than a natural progression of um, of the way society is going. So much so that in in Australia, over thirty percent of students from years seven to to twelve, so senior years, identify as non-binary now. Thirty percent. That mm. is a massive uptick wow. that just doesn't make any yeah. any sense at all. No, and it it builds confusion in the child's own mind. You know, we talked a lot on our last episode about, because we were talking about Tartaria and knowing kind of where we are in the world and how the timelines have been changed. Well, that stuff kind of same thing is happening in the mind of these children where it's like you don't, it's not timeline now, it's gender fluidity to where you don't actually know what you are. You don't know where you belong in the world. And you look around and you see women's clothes and men's clothes at a department store and you don't know which one to go to because you're not the same yeah (laughs) and you're and you're trying to find your way in the world but they've made your path so confusing and now 
you're almost weird for not, you know, like if you go to high school or whatever, you're weird for not being on board with all this stuff and, and affirming it in your friends and affirming it in, in all of these things. And, and the flags are plastered everywhere. It's just like, at what point do we say, this isn't about this schooling? This isn't about gender. This is about learning. Like, I thought we were here to learn about math and science and English, all of the things that we are usually supposed to learn about, but all of a sudden it's been completely derailed. And the thing that kids are most worried about is the same thing that they've always been worried about, fitting in with everybody else. And they've made that so difficult because if you have a cat in the room peeing in a litter box but they're actually a person, you're just like, what is happening? How am I supposed to focus on my studies when this is going on over here? Or you've got, I just saw a thing last night where there was like a whole group of people that identify as dogs. They're just like canine, canine people. I don't know. They were wearing the masks and they were barking. I was just like, I don't even know where I'm at right now. I don't know what's happening. And I don't even know what their agenda is. Like, what are you even trying to do? Like you're on the side of the road and you're like a whole group of people just barking and howling, making what kind of statement? I'm not sure, but that's the confusion that people have come to where nobody wants to be themselves anymore. Everybody wants to be something else. So what what do you think is the the global agenda like attached to all this stuff? Like from the top, do you think it's depopulation? Do you think it's... I think like it's to take uh, God out of everything. Like, what do you think? It, it is? I think in itself, it's multifaceted. I think it's a combination of transhumanism, where they're trying to create some kind of a strange idea of what humanity is. It does. It's it doesn't have gender. It doesn't have a p- specific race or any kind of identity. We're all kind of just one collective drone species. I think that's what's moving towards in transhumanism. Mm-hmm. There's that, there's depopulation at the same time, there's destroying of the nuclear family. There's so many things going on all at once. Mm. And it's so much so that we see, like you spoke about education. This, what is this? Why is this in education? It should be about maths and literacy and science and sport and, and things that used to be traditionally education. We're starting to see the rewriting mm. of history. I don't know if you're aware of this. It was earlier this year, yeah. they, um, archaeologists uncovered a, a Viking burial and it happened just so to be a woman, a woman with a sword, and mm-hmm. they made this huge big social science elaboration that this was a transgender woman because they had a sword, but they're completely dismissing the idea that there were shield maidens and female warriors in Norse culture. Right. So they're rewriting yeah. aspects of history to yeah. suit their agenda as it is. So if you're going that yeah. far, as well as the social impact of changing people's genders and, and removing the rights of families to, to protect and raise their kids... It's mm. got to be a big, big thing going on. Has to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all this stuff is going to tie together at some point. All of these different, you know, like you said, the the black agenda and all of this stuff is going to tie together. But I think people are just so head down, looking at their phones, not not looking around, not talking to people. Definitely yeah, well, not talking to people across the world. That's right. Yeah. Well, if, I would probably get called a, a Christian extremist for this, but there's one particular pagan god that is both genders, and that should be alarming for anyone. Mm-hmm. I think yep. that's it. That's, that's the model. It really should. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, when you really take, when you really step back and you're, you can talk about spirituality and you can talk about politics and you can talk about these things, that's when you start making all the connections, right? This is why they don't want you to pay attention or, or talk about it. This is why you're distracted with movies and music and television and all these things is because when you do start paying attention, there's a lot of things that start matching up and you're like, wait a minute, one of these things is not like the other. And you begin to put all these things together to where now you can almost, you can almost see their agenda as clearly as they do. Now you may not believe any of it, but you can see it and you're, you're walking down that path of like, okay, this leads to this and that makes sense. And this leads to this. And if you're, and if you're trying to kill out the human race or, or completely depopulate it, What's why? Why why don't you like humans? And who and who is it that doesn't like humans? Right. Or and does it go back to like the idea of eugenics where they're trying to make a master race of people that are perfect, that have mm. you know, they look a certain way, they have certain physical characteristics. Like, I mean, that's been around forever, honestly. Like it's it's really not even that surprising that they're trying to do this, but it's almost like they're trying to build a, a system of techno feudalism where Whatever's been going on with the jibby jabbies in the last three years, and it really it was a mass experiment, even on their own accord, because they didn't know what mm-hmm. they would do, and they they rolled it out anyway. Is this just some kind of a grand experiment so they could find out how to extend their own lives while creating a surf class that's going to be below them? Mm-hmm. We're going back to what what ancient Europe had at one point. There's going to be a serfdom and a high class and the middle class will yep. be completely wiped out. There won't be a middle class. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes to the Aldous yep. Huxley's Brave New World analogy where you have the alphas, the betas, all in one one world, but the lower echelons, they have mm-hmm. to live on the fringes of society and do the bidding of the masters. We're seeing that in real time. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, art, art replicates or can predict the future, and I think that's done intentionally. Either they're they're seeding mm-hmm. these ideas so we're not overly shocked by it later on, or they're blatantly just mm-hmm. telling us what their playbook is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people no, just I... look at it as entertainment, which it is. It's entertaining, but I don't think people ever really step outside the box. Like Rick always calls the Matrix a documentary. He's like, it's not a movie, it's a documentary. They're telling us what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is that part where the 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 little rat guy, what's his name? I can't remember Mouse. He uh he makes that woman in the dress, you know, and 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 uh Neo's I don't know if you've seen it. Hopefully you have. Neo's walking by and, and he sees this woman in the red dress and he's like, You like that? I made that, you know, and and that's like that's exactly it. Look at this. Look at this very distracting um thing because i don't want you to pay attention to the fact that you're in a mind cage that you can't get out of and in the mind cage a lot of people think when i say that that i'm talking like you're somewhere else like they are in the matrix in a in a thing and that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about your mind being completely controlled by the propaganda all around you to where you don't even know what you think because you only follow the agenda that's it. You only follow what the people tell you because you don't actually think for yourself. But the moment that you do start thinking for yourself, you're not allowed to because that's when an agent shows up and they start putting you back in, in your place. And it's it's apropos of what's going on right now. You see it everywhere. And I think, you know, talking to somebody from across the pond that is going through the same things over there in Australia is very telling because 
this isn't just America, guys. This is a full global agenda. It, they've got their hands in everything. We've talked yeah. about the Vatican. We've talked about the city of London. We've talked about Washington, D.C. and how it's all connected. You see all these celebrities throwing up their hand signals and doing their things. Like They're all involved, and we should not be worshiping them because they have a lot of money and they're on this magical screen on your wall. Like that doesn't give them the authority to tell you how to live your life. We need to take back our own sovereignty, our own autonomy. And I like what you said earlier about how, you know, we, we don't really live our own lives. We kind of just do our own thing based on what they tell us. Because if you know the difference between admiralty law and common law, you know that common law is more of a natural law, which is where we all just kind of leave each other alone. That's what you were saying before. You have good morals. You don't want to hurt anybody. You just want to do your own thing. If somebody kills your cow, that's on them. There's going to be repercussions for that, but it's not going to be a big deal. You just make it right and you get back to life. Whereas in maritime law, Everything goes before a judge. Everything. Everything is. And if you can place the judges and you can make the judges rule in your favor, then you, you have a messed up system. And that's exactly what we have all over the world. We have this messed up system where we don't get to choose where we go or what we do. We're not even allowed to. They tell us. And if we get out of line, we got to go before a judge. And who's the judge? Well, he works for them. So good luck. Yeah, it's this just is the, weird. This is the, the I, have a, I have a bit of an issue when it comes to common law and the maritime law conversation because I appreciate it, I understand it, and I, I get the reasoning behind it. But at the end of the yep. day, you could go into a court with your backing of common law and you can 100% prove yourself to be, to be, um, to be, to be true, to be factual, to be to be in the right. You've got that. Yes. The system's in place to knock you down. At the end of the day, the system has a monopoly on violence. And Australia saw mm -hmm. that during COVID. When we had yep. our emergency powers put in place, that actually broke a whole heap of our constitutional rights in Australia. Not that our constitution has as much teeth as your guys does, but we had our rights broken. Sure. And it doesn't matter that they were broken because when people protested, they rolled out the violence. They knocked us down with the state. They used militarized police force, LRADs, 12-gauge beam bear grounds, rubber bullets. Thankfully, they didn't go up to full metal jacket. But the idea is that the, the system's always got violence on its side as its last card. It's its final card. It's got the warning card. Like, yeah, watch out. If you go out of line, yeah. we've got this for you. But yep. I can see that they're trying to police speech now. I think there's such a big movement in people talking about their rights, like common law and, and the failures of the current systems we've got. They're trying to get ahead of that. Like the Restrict Act was spoken about at the start of the year within the United States. Australia mm -hmm. has its own version of that coming through called a misinformation and disinformation bill. Uh, essentially, it's going to police social media platforms to police speech and it will be one governing person in a body within Australia that will determine what the truth is. So if this governing body says hmm. the sky is purple and I make a post that says the sky is blue with a photo of a, a blue sky, I myself <laughs> could be fined hundreds of thousands of dollars or face 12 months in prison. Now, by the yeah. looks of it, this will get up and it will go ahead in Australia. That's how horrifying wow. this stuff is. Yeah. We're and in a time where... Yeah, we're in a time now where people pushed back enough during COVID and people have kind of 
unintentionally put themselves into camps and they've drawn a line and now the system sees where those people are and we're a lot uh, a lot easier to target now. They've spotted yeah. where the free thinkers are, the freedom pe- lovers are, the people who question the system, and now they're pushing with the next stage. Control speech, control what the truth is, then you yeah. can do anything because you've got that monopoly on violence to back it up. Which, Such unfortunately, people in our community, like America's got a history of it as against standing against tyrants, but people are very afraid and unwilling to admit that the only way these things change is to go down the routes of revolutions and those types of things. I'm not proposing that myself in this podcast, right. sure. but I'm saying sure. the historical precedence says yeah. that's mm-hmm. the only way you overthrow tyrants and dictatorships. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys got your guns taken away a long time ago, right? Yeah, we had them heavily regulated. Um, we still have firearms, just not to the level and the accessibility that we used to. Um, in Australia, mm-hmm. in my state, you have to have a, be either a primary producer like a farmer, a hunter, or a, sp- a recreational sports shooter. Um, I tick mm-hmm. two of those boxes, thankfully, so I have firearms for hunting purposes and clay shooting, which sure. is great. But you can't just mm. own a firearm. We don't have a a right of self defense really? in Australia. In Australia, we can't just have a, a right mm. to bear arms. It has to be based around sports or an intended use. Yeah, oh, interesting. And it's and you know a lot of people talk about America and the fact that you know it, if you were to have this civil war, which nobody is proposing by any means, but if you were to have this civil war, it would be terrible because you'd have a bunch of people that have been indoctrinated fighting another group of people that have been indoctrinated. You know what I mean? It's like you, you have this weird thing where it's like, I I have a lot of friends and I I've talked to a lot of people. They're like, the only way we're going to get this done is if we just get our guns and, and just like, bro, hold on a second. Like we all have to realize that we've all been lied to like all Mm -hmm. of us. And we all need to realize that if we're fighting each other, that's exactly what they want. And so I don't personally think that civil war is the answer, but I do think that standing up, like you're seeing a lot of mothers and fathers going into the school boards and actually standing up and saying, paying attention now, actually doing things. People are running for office that never ran before because they were just like, but now they're actually running for office and they're trying to make change the legal way. And as you said, it's an uphill battle because it's always about control. But people are actually starting to do things. And and even if it's just podcasts like we're doing or posting online or making making things known to to the masses, this is a huge deal. We have to talk. We have to think for ourselves and we have to be we can't just sit around and act like it's gonna change. Like that's insanity. It's not gonna yeah. change. I've often thought this is as a potential outcome. If they go down the route of policing speech and policing what the truth is, naturally they're going to go after people straight away, push back, people will be put in prison, people will be fined. When does the momentum get to a point where you see the average mother of three down the road who's just a stay-at-home mum, lovely person, the community knows her, the police knock on her door and arrest her for a Facebook post? How many times does that happen before the broader majority of the population pushes back? And this is what makes me think maybe they're intentionally doing this so that there are mm. civil conflicts, so that there are um, sure. insurrections, and these things happen. Do they want that destruction so they can rebuild after the fact? Are they playing mm. us the whole time and we just don't realise it? Yeah. Yep. It's a great point. And I think that, 
you know, if you walk that line, you know, as you just did and you continue to walk it, I mean, you can get the depopulation agenda, you know, you can get these people to take care of themselves just by just stirring up some rumors, arrest this lady, do this, and then everybody's fighting everybody. And yeah, it's, it's very scary the time that we're living in, you know, and the, the, the point that I always like to make is there isn't, there isn't a reason to live in fear. Because I feel like sometimes fear is what got us into this in the first place, right? We're afraid to be beaten by the, by the society around us. We're afraid to go to court. We're afraid to get pulled over. We're afraid, we're afraid of everything. You know, I know a lot of people, they go into their doctor's office and they're afraid to even ask their doctor for something or like, like he doesn't work for you. Like he works for you. You should ask him for whatever you want. You should tell him what you want him to do, what tests to run, what like that's, that's on you. But people are so afraid to even to just talk to their doctor because they think that he's in control because that's well, how they had to do set it remember, up. So last year, um, our, we have a six year old, so he was in kindergarten and we didn't want him to be vaccinated anymore. And so we had to sit down and take a class on basically why we should vaccinate them and why we're putting them in harm's way by not vaccinating them. And we had to get issued a certificate that we then took to the school and presented to them like, yeah, we know that we're going to probably kill our kid by doing this, but we want to do this anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, well, needless to say, we're we're not doing public school anymore with him, but I was just like, it was flabbergasting to me that we had to, we had to do all of that just to have him continue to go to public school. Yeah. It sounds like to me, now this is my little tinfoil hat conspiracy mind going, they were putting you through that situation so that they had a, a paper trail to show that, and I'm not saying this, that from their perspective, they have a paper trail to say that you're a neglectful parent. And we're starting to see right. that terminology yep. being used in homeschooling now. It's not just in the States, it's across the Western world. Mm -hmm. It seems like they don't want mums and dads teaching their kids. They want their kids in the system yep. somehow. There's a little term being yeah. thrown around in academia called um, educational neglect. Mm. And the idea mm. is that if your child's not getting a sanctioned, approved education from the state or from private institutions, that's a form of neglect. And what happens if these misinformation, what? disinformation bills, these restrict acts go through and they find you're teaching your child something that they don't approve of to be real, that's another mm -hmm. level, another layer of things that they can use against you. It's it's this beast system is being built around us and I don't think people realise we're currently up to the bricks up to our neck at the moment. We're about to be walled in right. and no one seems to notice. Right. Yeah. And what is it going to take for people to realise that this is happening? Their yeah. rights being taken away. <laughs> yeah. Their I mean, kids being taken away. If that's happening over there, we know it's coming here. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. America's in that, that, that interesting place where, because you have such a strong constitution that's very black and white, you have a Bill of Rights. Our country does not have a Bill of Rights. We don't have a freedom of speech. We have implied freedoms, mm -hmm. which is very dangerous in, when you look at legalese language. America has the backing behind it for that. You have a Second mm -hmm. Amendment that helps protect the First Amendment. The funny thing with the states is you've got individual states which are pushing against what your constitutional rights are. And for me, the, mm -hmm. the only yes. way America forward is I don't necessarily think America is going to go into a second civil war. I don't think that will happen. 
What I can see happening is the balkanization of the United States. You might have um, localized areas that are self-autonomous countries like California and um, the West Coast states might form Mm -hmm. their own union. Um, You might have the Appalachians and smaller areas that have their own own state. You kind of you can see those lines being drawn up. People throughout COVID left those Democrat states and they went to freedom states. Mm. So we're almost seeing population moves mm-hmm. now that we've seen historically, like when um, Texan, when Texas was taken over from the Spanish. A lot of Anglo-Americans mm-hmm. moved into Texas, and that was the catalyst for becoming a part of the United yep. States. Well, we're kind of seeing that now in demographic shifts of political ideology in the states. Um, mm-hmm. Florida, for example. Florida is probably going to be the first one that I think would secede from the rest of the United States. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, there. I never thought of it that way. It almost is like, uh, like, like breaking up into different factions, like in the Hunger Games, where they have the different districts, and I don't know. It just seems very. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> and again, it. it seems very much like they put out in media. It's very much a Hunger Games analogy, right? Where you've got different districts, and each district's yep. responsible for certain things. But it's there, yeah. the playbook yeah. is there. They put it out in mass media, in film, and cinema. And it's really just a foretelling of what's coming. Right. I think yeah. so, too. I think that, that far more is revealed in movies and in music and in the entertainment industry than people give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, man. We would love to do this again. Uh, we just we want to be respectful of your time and we try to keep things as close as we can to an hour. We're over now, but that's fine. We love talking <laughs> with you. We had a great time. I hope that you would want to come on again because yeah. well, we can go on your podcast. We just we just love having conversations with people. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, I, I hear your podcast is everywhere. so It is. Um, all the usual podcasters, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Um, you're Missing the Point podcast. It's M-I-S-S-E-N. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. I am heavily shadow banned, search banned, and suggestion mm. banned. So if you can find me, you're one of the very lucky people who can. Um, yeah, we'll <laughs> We've definitely have been to do doing this again, that too. guys. You'll have to come jump on yeah. my show and um, keep the conversation going. We yeah, would love for it. sure. Absolutely. Well, man, stay strong over there. I know there's a lot coming at you. And uh, thanks again for just coming on and sharing sharing what's going on on your side of the world. Uh, keep pushing, brother. We know that uh, getting the information out is probably one of the best things that we can do. So mm-hmm. just keep having conversations. And until next time, stay fringy, my friends. We'll see you on the next. Bye. See ya.